Welcome to the weekly sermons and studies podcast at First Baptist. Today's speaker is our senior pastor, Dr. Jeff Reynolds. Let's pray together. Lord, we're so deeply grateful that you made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Lord, when we stand before you in judgment, our one and only plea is that Jesus Christ has died upon an old rugged cross to pay for our debt of sin in full. We thank you, Lord, for the glory of the resurrection by which you secured our justification and by which you illustrated your power even over death. And Lord, we thank you for the hope that we have in Jesus Christ, that all of us who have surrendered our lives to Jesus, receiving Jesus as our personal Lord and Savior, have a hope that transcends this moment. We have a hope that transcends life itself. For Lord, you so loved us that you gave your only begotten Son that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. In that context, as we turn to your word and we see your work in the lives of Priscilla and Aquila, may we also see your work in our lives too. And may we be emboldened to further surrender ourselves to you, to say, Lord, yes, wherever you lead, we'll go. Whatever you want, we'll do. We are yours, and we will trust and follow Jesus. For it's in his precious and holy name that we pray. Amen. Have you ever had an old person say to you, if you want to hear God laugh, just tell him your plans? You ever heard that? How many of you have found those old people were right? And how many of you have found that you have become that old person who says that to younger people now too? Truth is that if you're saying that to people, nobody probably calls you a young'un anymore. But if you live long enough, you learn that that's fairly accurate, that we may plan our way, but the Lord indeed determines our steps. So for example, in my life, uh, when I was in seventh grade, I decided that I was going to be a physician. That's what I was built for. That's what I was here to do. That's what I was supposed to do. And so I began that course of study and that trajectory in my life and worked with the Barren River uh, special events medical team and did all sorts of fun stuff. And that lasted for nine years. As you can see, at age 43, I'm not a physician. When I was in eighth grade, I decided that my medical career would probably be delayed, though, by a career in the NFL, the National Football League. And so I I was still going into medicine, but I would probably have some delay there. Uh, That did not happen. That decision lasted nine years or so as well. Uh, When I was in 12th grade, I met the woman that I knew would be my wife. And that lasted about three and a half years. And she's a wonderful woman, but she's not my wife. She's somebody else's wife, and they've built a beautiful family. And I have a different wife, and we've built a beautiful family. When I was 22, I decided that I was done with dating for a while. I just wasn't going to date anymore. I was going to take a break. And then within a week, I met the woman who is now my wife. (laughs) When my wife and I started going to restaurants together and we saw kids throw a fit in the restaurant, we decided then that our child would never do that. 
And that lasted until the first time we took our child to a restaurant. Incidentally, parents, go ahead and give up on the my child will never train of thought because, oh, just you wait. Humility will find you. When I started my last degree, I decided that I was going to be a professor instead of a pastor. And that lasted for four years. And when I finished my last degree, I thought, well, I'll, I'll, you know, I'll never be a senior pastor. That's just not what I'm built for. And then six months later, First Baptist Bowling Green reached out and said, hey, would you submit your resume for this? How many of you could tell stories like that too? You had decided this is what it's going to be. And then it wasn't that at all. Now, that doesn't mean don't make plans, don't set goals, don't pursue things. That's, that's how God grows us, and I think that's a very important part of things. I, I struggle. I, I look five years out and ten years out all the time, and, and so my temptation is to forget about today and not to be where my feet are, and, and that's an important thing to do too. So it's not that you shouldn't have goals and pursue them. It's just that your trust for God should be greater than your trust in your plans. Because what's probably going to happen is your plans are going to change. And we have a God who knows every one of our days. Did you know that? The Bible says that all the days ordained for me were written in God's book before one of them came to be. So he knows our days. He knows how our life is going to pan out. He's the alpha, the omega, the beginning and the end. And he sits outside of the captivity of time and is able to see it all. He knows everything. And ultimately, the more we trust Him, even when our plans change, even when our plans change by joyous circumstances or by less than ideal moments, we look to Him and we trust Him. That's what it means to walk by faith and not by sight. Walking by sight means that I respond to everything that I see. Walking by faith means that I am led by Jesus. And so I'll fix my eyes on Jesus and take the next step in trusting and following Him and knowing that even if, even if I'm veering off of the straight line that I thought would take me from point A to point B, even if point B apparently is not going to be the point B I once thought it was, even if I've taken three steps forward and two steps back or one step forward and five steps back, I'm going to trust Jesus through it all. That's the attitude of faith. It's not always easy to live. But today, we're going to see the story of a married couple who trusted God to lead them even when things went differently from what they had expected. We're going to look at the story of Aquila and Priscilla. To do that, I want to invite you to open your Bible with me to Acts chapter 18. We're going to look at three different vignettes within this single chapter. But Acts chapter 18, and if you're in the room in the Red Pew Bible in front of you, that is page 927. Page 927. We're going to see Aquila and Priscilla trust God even when their plans change. And we're going to see God use them in amazing ways as they continually surrender themselves to his lordship. So the theme for today's message is this. Aquila and Priscilla decided to follow Jesus, and their lives were transformed. Aquila and Priscilla decided to follow Jesus, and their lives were transformed. First, look with me to Acts chapter 18, verses 1 through 3. This is where we're going to meet Aquila and Priscilla. 
Luke writes as he's carried along by the Holy Spirit saying this, After this, Paul left Athens and went to Corinth. And he found a Jew named Aquila, a native of Pontus, recently come from Italy with his wife Priscilla because Claudius had commanded all the Jews to leave Rome. And he went to see them. And because he was of the same trade, he stayed with them and worked, for they were tent makers by trade. Our first point today is this. Aquila and Priscilla followed Jesus to new places. They followed Jesus to new places. Now, we're going to see this wasn't their stopping point. They went on to other places, but they had been in Italy, and they were kicked out of Italy. They were kicked out of Italy by Claudius because at this time, Christians were still considered Jews, that, that, that a Jewish person who believed in the Jewish Messiah, Jesus of Nazareth, though a Christian, was still considered among the Jews. And so Claudius expelled all the Jews from Italy, and so Aquila and Priscilla found themselves likely against their will in Corinth. Now, Corinth was an important city of the day. Corinth probably had around 750,000 people at this time. You can still go to Corinth today, uh, Lord willing, in just a few weeks. Some, other, some people from our church and I will go to Corinth, and we'll be there in the ancient city, and we'll look up at the acro Corinth that juts up out of the ground. It's so unbelievable, and we'll see the temple to Aphrodite that's on top, and we'll hear of the thousand temple servants who came down and led people up to the temple of Aphrodite, goddess of love, to worship her in a very specific way. We'll see the, the various altars and temples that dotted the landscape. We'll see where the synagogue was, and we'll see that this is where Paul served the Lord for at least 18 months in a very difficult situation. But part of God leading Paul to Corinth and part of God leading Aquila and Priscilla to Corinth was so that they could be used as instruments in the Redeemer's hands to bless people. 2,000 years later, we're still talking about Aquila and Priscilla and their impact in the world in the name of Jesus Christ. So yes, they were expelled from Rome, but in their expulsion from Rome, what they didn't realize is that they were going to be partnered with Paul, a former religious terrorist known as Saul of Tarsus, who is now known as the Apostle Paul and who wrote so much of the New Testament, who was used by God to bring the message of the gospel to the Gentiles. And Aquila and Priscilla would be used alongside him. They would be co-laborers with Paul there in Corinth. Paul had taken a vow in Corinth. And there, there's no biblical reason to say Paul took this vow because of this. But most people believe he took a Nazarite vow because Corinth was such a cesspool of sin that he wanted to be abundantly clear that he was not participating in the sin of Corinth. And so Aquila and Priscilla were there, and he had some very difficult moments. When you go to Corinth, you can stand in front of what is known as the Bema, the judgment seat. And you can put your hands on the pillar that the Apostle Paul's hands were lashed to as he stood before the judgment seat of Rome with, and this is unbelievable, with the Acro-Corinth jutting up behind him in the temple of Aphrodite at the top and the entire Agora, the marketplace, behind him ready to be beaten if the judge deemed that that was what was needed. Paul needed some support in Corinth, and God gave him Aquila and Priscilla. And they would be remarkably useful to God in ministry. So God didn't waste the fact that they got kicked out. 
of their home. In fact, God worked it together for good. Does he do that? Does he work all things together for good to those who love him and who have been called according to his purpose? Yes, he does. Romans 8.28 says so. The lives of Paul and Aquila and Priscilla testify so. So, they followed Jesus to new places, even if the reason they went to those places was less than ideal. Well, now, well, let me ask you this question first. Why are you where you are? Why are you where you are? Just a chapter before, in Acts chapter 17, Paul had stood on the Areopagus in Athens, Mars Hill, with the world's smartest people, the wisest philosophers of the age who talked about all the new things. They were always looking for something new. And this is what Paul said as he testified to Jesus before them. Talking of God, he says, And he, God, made from one man every nation of mankind to live on all the face of the earth, having determined allotted periods and the boundaries of their dwelling place, that they should seek God and perhaps feel their way toward him and find him. Yet he is actually not far from each one of us. What Paul said to the wisest philosophers of the age is true for us today. Why are we where we are? Well, because God has determined our allotted periods and the boundaries of our dwelling place for a reason. And what is that reason? It's so that we should seek God and perhaps feel our way toward Him and find Him. So God doesn't waste anything. So why are you where you are? Oh, it was all random, purely by chance, right? Not according to the, the economy of Almighty God. He determines our boundaries. He determines our seasons. He determines where we are, when we are. And the reason why we are is so that we might know Him and so that we might help others know Him. So you may be miserable where you are right now. Is that possible? I bet Aquila and Priscilla were pretty miserable when they pulled up into Corinth. And yet God didn't waste it. And He won't waste your situation either. He won't. As we surrender to Him, he uses even the most difficult moments of our lives to glorify His name, to bless us, and to benefit others. And so we say, Lord, I trust you. It's not easy to say that right now, but I trust you, and I'm going to follow you. When I look with me down to verses 18 and 19, and if you're in the Pew Bible, it's over to the next column, about midway down the page. The Bible says, after this, Paul stayed many days longer and then took leave of the brothers and set sail for Syria, and with him Priscilla and Aquila. At Centraea he had cut his hair, for he was under a vow. And they came to Ephesus, and he left them there. But he himself went into the synagogue and reasoned with the Jews. Our second point, Aquila and Priscilla followed Jesus to a new purpose. Aquila and Priscilla followed Jesus to a new purpose. They had been with Paul in Corinth for 
at least 18 months, at least a year and a half. Then they went with Paul to Centrea, which is a port near Corinth, and from Centrea they had left and they had gone to Asia. They had gone to Ephesus. And the Bible says that Paul left them there. Now, Ephesus was a significant city during this time. Uh, Charles Dyer and Gregory Hatberg in their Christian Traveler's Guide to the Holy Land said that Ephesus was an important seaport city in the Roman province of Asia. The city was also located at the intersection of two major overland routes, the coastal road that ran through north through Smyrna and Pergamum to Troas, and the road that ran east to Colossae, Laodicea, and the interior of Asia Minor. This strategic location made Ephesus a major commercial and religious center. So incidentally, if you've read Revelation chapters 2 and 3, you have heard letters from God to churches in many of the places that I just mentioned, including Ephesus. There in Ephesus, there was a temple to Artemis that was known throughout the Mediterranean. Herodotus identified this temple as one of the seven wonders of the world. And there was a, a statue of Artemis in that temple that was built at least partially from a meteorite that had come. And so they felt like it was delivered from the heavens to them. Ephesus was an influential center. Ephesus was an influential city. Um, about 250,000 people, and they had a city theater that could seat 25,000 people. So no small city. And Paul goes in and he talks to the people in the synagogue, but then listen to this. He leaves Priscilla and Aquila there. And what are they supposed to do? They're supposed to, to build the church. They're tent makers. They're used to building and God's going to use them to build his church in Ephesus. Paul would come back on the third missionary journey and spend quite a bit of time there in Ephesus. Timothy would become the pastor of the influential church at Ephesus. Ephesus gets its own book in the Bible, the Ephesians, Paul's letter to the church at Ephesus. And of course, Timothy there as he serves at Ephesus. Remarkably influential. And so what did God do? Well, he gave Priscilla and Aquila a new purpose. They were used to building things. They would be used as instruments in the Redeemer's hands to build his church. And so as they went to a new place, they had a new purpose. They were going to build the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. And then specifically, they're going to do so in the life of an individual that became remarkably influential. So look down with me to verses 24 through 28. Now a Jew named Apollos, a native of Alexandria, came to Ephesus. He was an eloquent man, competent in the Scriptures. He had been instructed in the way of the Lord, and being fervent in spirit, he spoke and taught accurately the things concerning Jesus, though he knew only the baptism of John. He began to speak boldly in the synagogue, but when Priscilla and Aquila heard him, they took him aside and explained to him the way of God more accurately." And when he wished to cross to Achaia, the brothers encouraged him and wrote to the disciples to welcome him. When he arrived, he greatly helped those who through grace had believed, for he powerfully refuted the Jews in public, showing by the Scriptures that the Christ was Jesus. Our third and final point, Aquila and Priscilla followed Jesus to new projects. And I, I use the word projects to alliterate it because I'm a Baptist and that's what we're supposed to do, I think. Um, and it wasn't that Apollos was just a project, but the project was that they would build up 
those who would help build up others. See, they had received the Great Commission, just as you and I have received the Great Commission, to, to go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to observe everything that Jesus had said. So God gave them the purpose of building the church, and the way you build the church is by making disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ. They had received that charge from Jesus himself as passed down through Paul. So what did they do? When Apollos needed to grow in his faith, they pulled him aside and said, let us, let us show you what this looks like. Let us tell you more about the way of God. Let us disciple you. But not only had they been called to make disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ, they were called to make disciplers for the Lord Jesus Christ. What does that mean? Well, Paul had, would say to Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 2, what you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses entrust to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. So what did Priscilla and Aquila do? They took the teaching of Almighty God, they imparted it to Apollos, and what happened with Apollos? He then went to Achaia, and he was used by God to strengthen the church there. And that's how it works. So we don't just receive from God and it stops there. No, we receive from God and we share that with others to equip them so that they might carry out the ministry to which they've been called. I will say this, though, that Aquila and Priscilla, differently from most Christians today, took that calling very seriously. They trusted the Lord enough to realize that where they were was because God was leading them. And he can even use horrible decrees from people like Claudius to advance his purpose. And, and they realized that they were there for the purpose of building the church. And wherever they were, they were there for the purpose of building the church. And that meant that they would make disciples, but not only that, that they would make disciplers. And they took that very seriously. So that when they heard Apollos speak beautifully and eloquently, but he was kind of in error, they pulled him aside and gently corrected him so that when he went on to the next place and the next people that God would open to his path, he would be able to build up disciples who would be able to teach others also according to the truth of Almighty God. They took that very seriously, and because of that, we're still talking about them today. What about us? Do we take it seriously such that even when our plans change, we know that God will still use us where we are to glorify Him and to help others trust and follow Jesus and bless them beyond belief? Thank you for listening, and we hope you'll join us next time. We'd love to connect with you. Just email connect at firstbaptistbg.org or call 270-842-0331.